You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Oli Whitfield, growth marketer at Vanilla Soft. How are you doing today, Oli? All the better for being here. And nice to, nice to spend some time with you and speak about some cold emails, hopefully, today. How are you doing? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the email in the toolbox is, is a subject of controversy. So looking forward to discussing with you and discussing some of the tactic and, and everything. But, but before we get going, Oli, would you mind just giving a little bit of background about yourself and the company you represent, Vanilla Soft? Yeah. So I've always worked in sales technology companies for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why. But with that, you get to learn a little bit about cold calling, about cold email, about social media outreach and all those things. And I was a salesperson once upon a time, so I have done a bit of this stuff. And, and the topic we're going to speak about later on, it, it did start many years ago. I started off as an SDR. I completely freestyled everything. I had no roadmap. I had no templates. I had no frameworks. I had no proper framework structure to, do, to anything I did, whether that be reaching out whether that be to the phone call, the sales process, the, the anything. I just did it and sort of really learned the hard way because you had to when you literally have nothing. And at one point I thought to myself, like I'm writing what I thought was quite a good email, very personalized to a few prospects a day. But I was really mixing up my calls to action. I was mixing up certain parts of the email which should be their own thing. And, and really the results weren't as good as I was hoping. I didn't get upset about it. I thought, you know, I'm starting at zero. I need to implement something to help me make this repeatable. And that's when I stumbled across, uh, across, across I should say, frameworks. So that's where we got to. And the company, obviously, my company, Vanilla Software Sales Engagement Platform. And obviously, if you know what that means, you know that that helps sales reps send their cold emails. It helps them stick to their cadence. It helps them follow up. It helps them do their cold calling. So very applicable to my team. And we spent a lot of time looking at our, our emails and call scripts. So pretty well versed in that at this point now. Yeah. Well, I remember the days where I started as well as a BDI, SDI, and I was pretty much in the same boat as you. Here is a list of contacts to go after. I mean, in fact, back in the day, LinkedIn did not exist. And for the CRM system, we had to use like a, a CD-ROM, you know, that you would put in the, wow. like a CD, it was CD-ROM. So it was all cool, but you had to install it on your machine and everything. So back in the days, yellow pages and, and off you go and start to, to, to call people. And my emails were horrendous. You know, I've been looking at some of them maybe a few years later and they were like super long. I wanted to tell everything to the prospect, you know, all my life, all the, all the functionalities, they didn't realize how it works at all. So very much looking forward to the conversation today. Well, well let's get cracking really. I mean, everybody knows what email is. I think people have different perspective on the effectiveness of emails, which is always to take with a pinch of salt, because obviously you won't, <laughs> as every single tool, if you don't use it effectively, you won't get great results. So as we get started, could you please share with us some do and don'ts of email outreach? Yeah. So it's, it's funny that you say that people have differing opinions on that. I recorded a webinar not very long ago with Devin Reed from Gong and he, uh, 
he went through some of the research that he and his team have done about email call to actions and just generally speaking, what is the performance of email in inside of a deal and as a complete cold outreach touch. And a lot of the feedback he got on that content, just as, a, as an article on their website, very polarizing. So some people treat it as the silver bullet. They believe what is said is gospel. They go 100% with that and it's fact. And then some people, they just question it to the end of the earth. Is, is this about the right job titles, right industries, locations, all of it. So, yeah. so it really does depend. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of variables to all of this. So you, that's the, that's the fun thing. You kind of have to take it and apply it to your own situation as best you can. But do's, I like brevity in my emails. So that means I don't like a big essay. Interestingly though, again, I've, I do a lot of webinars. So I had a, a couple of top tier experts, in my opinion, Sam McKenna and Kyle Common, uh, I had them email me and we went through it on a webinar and we, and we broke down what did they do? Why did they do it? I had the chat grade them and that kind of stuff. It was a close one, very close. But their emails were actually quite long. And I thought, that, that's really interesting because I normally like, and normally, I don't know about you, when, you, when you're going through LinkedIn, when you're reading stuff about cold email, it's normally, normally you hear shorter the better within reason, obviously. You don't want two words. But normally you hear something like that. And their emails, as experts, very, very personalized. And the call to action was very unique to me. And even the bridge between call to action and the trigger events, that, that was very personalized to me. But it was quite long. And I thought, well, that, that's interesting. So, so a bit of a mix. What, what I'm getting at there is I like brevity, but they did that style. So what I'm saying in, in a sense is your first email, for example, you're never going to just send one and leave it. Try something and your next one, do it different. So don't go like four or five emails in a row, but they're all very long. Mix it up. So you could have a short one, a long one, then the next one could have a video, the next one could have something else. So, yeah. so a bit of variables, that, that's a good do. And the don't obviously going very long. So, so Autoclose did an analysis. One of the first things I did in this job, we looked at over 680,000 cold emails sent using our platform. The longest one, if I remember, was 6,580 words in the body, which is 8% of the second Harry Potter novel in length, if, if you believe that's that. And the subject line was 52 words. So obviously things like that, when you're going way outside of what is what you have ever seen in your own inbox, that's just not going to do it but it's a bit of an extreme example but yeah going too long make make sure nothing gets read and my pet peeve i'll say this one then i'll stop rambling pet peeve is bullet points in an email you've probably seen this a bazillion times just like i have if i'm trying to follow up this is what i always go wrong i normally use too much of my information first so if i'm going to go with four four pain points i want to hit you with if i list all four of them what have i got to say after that i've used all of it so if I just kill the bullet points, talk about the first one, and then I save the next three and I write my emails regarding them separately, I've got four emails or, or maybe four or five emails and four or five calls and LinkedIn touches and so on and so forth. Instead, I've just thrown it all in the wall. One email, bullet points, no one reads them. It's gone. So that's, that's my big one at the moment. So Sham, I'm a fan of bullet points in email. So I've been, uh, may have to, I may have to rethink my strategy early. Do you think there is a difference between North America and Europe in terms of what prospect like or, or, or response rate to different type of emails? You know, the, the reason why I'm asking you is because do you remember it was a tactic maybe two or three years ago where people would just put blank at the beginning of the email. So you had nothing and then they would start saying, hey, and then you had to scroll down the gate. I find it extremely annoying and, and, and actually 
you know, I do like an email that is authentic, going to the point, you've done your research, you are short, and you tell me what you do. You tell me what you want. Tell me that you want a meeting with me to discuss what and what I would get out of it and give me two times, make it easy for me to, to book it, right? That, that's what I would prefer as a, as a prospect myself. But I was receiving the email that were like extremely long. And some of my guys in the US use that type of email and actually found a lot of success, right? It's like the LinkedIn post that you've got one sentence and another sentence on the list, another sentence on the list. It seems to be working and I don't really understand why, but do you think that there is a fundamental difference in terms of expectations or preference, depending on where you are, US versus Europe? This might be controversial, so, so call me out if Do you agree. Okay. I think a little bit the, U, the UK, speaking from, uh, from the UK and Europe, is a little bit behind North America. They have a little bit more technology. There's so many more companies over there that are very SaaS-centric and all that sort of stuff. Over here... I can name on my on one hand number of SaaS companies that I actually know. So that maybe that's just me, but but that bubble effect that that really makes the US. I don't know what it is. I feel like there's a bit of an echo chamber, and, and all of the the advice and the best practices that they know and that they actually develop sometimes, and they're implementing across all of these companies. I feel like you see it a lot more, and it's a lot more cutting edge and a lot more up to the minute in terms of best practice, whereas. Over over in Europe, at least what I have seen, just my personal lens, we try and use best practices. Absolutely, definitely try and do that. We're always trying to improve. We're just a fraction behind some of the stuff that they're doing. And sometimes that's because, let's say a, a laggard market in the US, if I'm selling to into like a laggard market and they don't do email, I might cold call them and a very standard basic cold call might just be the best way to do it. And you, and you treat it as numbers game. That might be the way. Over in, over in Europe, that might be a bit more of the case. Whereas in, in the US, that might just be a couple of markets or, or some in particular. But the rest, it seems like, or at least I'm, I'm perceiving, you've got to be a bit more clever and a bit more advanced and yeah. you know, think things through a lot more in, in that regard. So, so what do you think? Are you seeing differently or the same? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing different tactics. You know, the tactics that have worked. And, and I think we, uh, you know, do tactics change all the time. I was speaking to someone about LinkedIn voice notes. So LinkedIn voice notes was pretty cool post-COVID. You would get people, prospect, you, you would send a yeah. voice note to a prospect. The reason why it's cool is because you need to do it on your app, on your phone. So if you are in a call center and you are, you know, in a sequence without reach and stuff like that, potentially you may not be able to take your phone, go into the app, find Oli and, and leave him a voice note. But they were pretty good because if you if it's the first voice that you receive, it's like the first video you receive or the first video, you say, what is that? Let's have a look. So at least you get the open rate. And then by the way, we'll have to come back to that, the subject line and, and remind me to get back to that. But I think you get the open rate. I think I'm cynical because I'm in the industry and, and I write the emails and we are looking at the tactics. I think it'd be useful to get the lens of a prospect. I do agree with you. I think the U.S. are probably a little bit more advanced. But I also think that the U.S. is also much more spammy than we are here in Europe. And the prospect probably get far more, less qualitative interaction. And that lead me to believe, you know, when there is, when there is an element of spam or volume or whatever, technology is overused. And, and what I've seen in my lifetime of our technology being overused is that people go back to the bloody basic. Yeah. The bloody basic is a well-structured email that 
is smart. And this is basically what I would send to another professional at my level that I respect, that I've had the time to research. And I will try to be pertinent and I will be humble in the fact that, look, I'm trying to be pertinent, but I don't know if I've got it. But I believe that you've got those issues, right? Because I've been companies in your situation or individual ICP in your situation suffering from the, the same issues. And we've got a really good way to solve it. So I agree with you that I would probably not put that into one email, but, but that's how I feel about the US right now. I think everybody's trying to be too smart sometimes. And when I've got the opportunity to speak to prospects, they don't want smart. They, they want to okay, you've got a product. You're clearly trying to get some of my time, right? Help me. What I'm trying to do, I'm trying to put you on the map. What exactly do you do? And what makes you unique versus the other people that do something similar to you? And you've got to be able to articulate that relatively well and quickly. And that's the difficulty, I think, of writing an email. The difficulty of writing an email is how can you succinctly summarize a value proposition? And, and I like your idea of cutting it down. So long-winded answer to your question, but I think when I look at the emails and all the different tactics and, and I get into conversation, of course, some of them will work and someone, someone will smile because they got a, I got a coffee voucher or whatever attached to the email or, you know, oh, there is a Calendly link so I can go and pick up something that was five years ago. Now it's not cool anymore. You know, you'll have some cool signature. You've got lots of things that you can do to make it a bit different from a look perspective. But at the end of the day, when, it, when, when I have conversation with C-level people or, or, or decision makers, they want efficiency. They don't want personalization. They want pertinence. You know, they don't care about the fact that you went to the same university or you support the same soccer or football or baseball team as them. Or, you know, I get tons of things of people saying, oh yeah, your last podcast was fantastic. Right. Have they really listened to them? No, but they just, you know, they just obviously try to get my ego going, which is one of the tactics. So I think you need to have people who receive a lot of emails to probably teach people who want to send emails how to do it. And, and when you hear it from the prospect, my feedback, and I've had that feedback, particularly in North America, where I've been part of like prospect panel recently on that topic, is just be pertinent. Just, just tell us what you want. And give me the option to say yes or no, and in a way get to the point. But it might not work in all markets. If you go two or three levels down and you're trying to get a meeting with an influencer, maybe that cool email with, you know, like that new technique that you've heard on LinkedIn or on whatever trending platform may work. But end of the day, solid subject, so people open it, and then solid opener. I'm research. I've researched you. I, you are not. It's not an automated email. I'm not doing it with thousands of people. It's, it's pretty tailored in a way. And then I try to be pertinent by, by making hypotheses of pain that you are facing based on research that I've done. And then I try to tease you with how we solve it. And, and, and that's, that's how I would go about it based on the feedback I receive. And actually I will do that work, but that may sound a little bit old school, you know, but it's for me, that's what works. And, and when I send my emails, I get a good response rate. But I would not send an email to someone I'm not convinced will read it and not respond. So I need to convince myself that I'm like a boxer guy on the ring or the MMA fighter. I'm not going to go there thinking that I'm going to get destroyed. I'm going to only go there if I think I really have a chance to win, which I think is also important. And that's why the preparation 
for me of that email. But it's not just the email, it's your whole sequence. You know, the email is one tool. So if you are prepared, you can also, you prepare for a call, you prepare for a video, you prepare for everything, but that preparation is really key. And the higher up you go in the organization, the higher up you go in terms of deal value, the more important that is. Well, it's funny you say that you treat it like going into a boxing ring. Would you get into the ring with that person? If they were going to destroy you, obviously you would not. What I've been trying to do with our sales reps, particularly for some of our best target accounts, our ABM list, where we're writing emails on the level that you're almost asking, why on earth do we not work together yet? We're finding those ones where it makes that much sense. Then it's just easy. It's like a normal email between colleagues instead of a, a cold email. Whereas I feel like 100%. a cold email, you're, you're in a different mindset. You're, you're like trying, you're actually really trying to convince and you're, you're doing it so intentionally. Whereas when you're just emailing a colleague because it's a task, you're just doing it and it happens. Yeah. We're trying to treat it a bit more like that. If we have, and we can find that much reasoning that makes so much sense, it's got to work. And then it does. You're not interrupting. I'm not interrupting all his day. When all you read that email, no matter if he respond to me or not, or is interested in my meeting or not, he's going to be, oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. I have information to give you. I've got educational content, not content that I would attach, but I will put something in there that I, I, it needs to be of value to you. You know what I mean? So I'm not interrupting your day to try to sell you something. I am giving you value. I'm actually helping you to realize that there is something available that I could do fantastically well for you, potentially in your organization. So that reframing of helping versus being an entrance is, is really big because it's, it's like, it's, it's like sports psychology. I mean, if we go back to the boxing things, you, you, you need to reframe to a positive value of what you are doing versus, ah, uh, you know, that guy will receive his own, but then, you know. For me, the, the, the worst is the people who are blasting. I receive emails from my competitors asking me if I need the pipeline generation and support to grow my business. And that, that's a big no-no. You know, when they take a list and they just like blast, that's what I don't get. So you, you, we, we kind of spoke about the email structure from my perspective, okay? Maybe I should have let you go first. Well, what's, what's, how is your perspective different from mine in terms of the structure you would like to use? And I appreciate what you're saying, Oli, is that you may have different email in the block, right? So you, you may want to prepare them in a different way, but what, how, how would you structure them in the best possible way? So what I, what I went and did, anyone can do this, so I don't proclaim that it's my own. I went onto Google and I, I went for cold email frameworks just so that I could help myself write to a consistent framework. When I say framework, don't think of a template. Template is, hi, Ollie. I noticed that you are the growth marketer out for the soft you have a podcast insert my company about when can we meet calendar link that is not a framework that's just a crap email a framework is something like what to say in which sentence order and then basically like a if i could draw it without using words what would the email look like so for example josh braun probably somebody you've seen on linkedin that i follow him he's got his own framework and it's called the tttt email and that is the trigger event third-party validation, teach me and tell me. And that's him trying to tell you how to write the email. So you begin yeah. with your trigger event. Your second part is your third-party validation and so on. Those are all on separate lines and that is how he writes his emails. Why I do that, and I've, I've subconsciously become quite good at just doing that format anyways now because I've, I've spoken about it a lot and I think it's a good one. 
why he does that is often we just like freestyle. We just think, right, I'm reaching out to them because reason and I want this. And I noticed that jumble it all together and it becomes a really jarring, not well flowing email. And that's what I used to do in my early days. I used to go something like, Hey, I love your podcast. And I saw that you have this thing. And also I'm doing that thing too. And we, we had that same guest on, and also we do this and would we meet and the prospects probably very confused and it's too much. It's not in a bright order, not a great email. So the point of a framework is not to tell you how to write. It's to tell you kind of what to write, but in a way that will actually work better than you just throwing something it's, it's being conscious and not unconsciously throwing something up just because the amount of times that we do this, we especially if you're personalizing stuff very well, or if you're finding a lot of good research to make it relevant, you will have to structure it a little bit differently. You will have to change what you say. A template is just kind of, oh, instead of you're hiring three people on this account, they're hiring seven. So I'll change that word. That's not really doing anything different. So, so I just started to look for those. So, so there's plenty of them. So I said, Josh Braun, so that's one. There's ADA, which is A-I-D-A. That's a very well-known copywriting one. So if you've ever seen a billboard, which I bet you have, you have seen an ADA billboard. That is how they write copy. If you've ever seen an ad in a newspaper, sometimes they use ADA to write that. And it's basically attention, interest, desire, and action. There's normally a big attention grabber at the top of any billboards. Then there's an action in the bottom right corner somewhere, something like that. That's one. There's, there's problem, agitate, solution, obviously P and A and S. There's BAB before, after bridge. That's probably one you get a lot. I've, I'm getting a lot of those at the moment. I got a few of them, but just, just right into a framework. I, I always find really helps me out. So I, I don't think I answered your question very well though, did I? No, no, you did. I mean, you know, the, the difficulty of that question is depend on who you are targeting, right? If you are targeting, uh, I think a salesperson versus a CFO, you may want to have a different tone of email. If you are interacting with a C-level person versus a deputy of a deputy of a deputy person, if you are selling something for 5K ARR versus 3 million AR, and also it depends on the, the, the multi-buying persona potential journey, the complexity of the deal. You know, are you disruptive or are you commodity, right? So are you bringing something new to the market and people may want one, but they will be looking at each other and say, okay, who's paying for it versus well, you know, I've got one, so do I need to replace it? So I think the tone of email, I agree with you. I think there are lots of things that are available. There is lots of frameworks. I think thinking that there is a silver bullet is not right. In fact, I think what has worked for me is probably to take different methodology and kind of mix them up together and try to come up with something that kind of bring, you know, meeting back home. But the, 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 the thing that I know is that when I press send to a good email, I know it's a good email and, and you know, that if you send a good email, your response rate will be high. And all I'm saying high is pretty much, you know, around 20, 25%. If it's done properly, if you craft them properly, if you spend the time to not just do the lazy stuff of, oh yeah, I'm looking on sales navigator, Glassdoor, many people that are recruiting or whatever. And I try to be smart by saying, oh, you are based in Montreal. Well, guess what? I've got an uncle living there. This is fantastic. Now we are friends. Let's get a meeting together. I think you need to do a little bit more than that. And, 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 and I believe that prospect also appreciates the, the fact that you can make a hypothesis of their pains, you know, so, and particularly as you are going disruptive, I think that's, that's important because you're almost trying to tell them in the best polite way that there is a better way to do something they're already doing. Okay. 
So it's, it's really about, this is what I see in the market, or this is what we've been, we realize, and this is what, so is the old world versus the new world. So all those things, depending on what you are selling, I think would dictate a different structure. And I don't think there is one size fits all. So I do agree with you. I think people need to look at what's available. You need to play, you need to experiment, you need to measure, and then try to replicate what's successful, basically. So something you said there, I now actually need to take my notes and throw them away and redo them because the, the five frameworks that my, my team normally write to, the, our five favorites, just picking some out of the internet that we liked. We try and mix up our cadences to write to various ones of these frameworks throughout. But as I said, basically, we don't want to write the exact same thing 10 times because it's obvious, no one cares. And if you don't like it the first time, you're probably not going to like it on the night. We mix it up. But let's say, for example, my, my PAS, Problem Agitated Solution, just like you said, champion level probably could work. Big CEO of huge company, you will not sell them a problem that they have and maybe they don't know that they have it that's your that's your way in but you're not really going to agitate it and you're not going to tell them something that they don't know so much so probably like like you said there i think that's uh that's one problem with frameworks actually i've not thought about it until just now but you can write any template any framework that you want but it, it has to bend so so as i was saying problem agitated solution champion version is very different to problem agitate solution decision maker version our big company but just to pick two different variants of the same thing there so so yeah definitely yeah like a, and even using a trigger event the trigger event obviously could very much change dependent on role and type of company and what actually has happened in that in that company or market so i would never say to you you're hiring two sdrs because maybe you're not involved in that at all maybe it would be something like hubspot data tells me that Meetings are now being booked more by cold calling than email this week, right? If that's true, maybe, maybe yeah. you would care more about that. Do, do you know, it's those the, things. The best trigger that I've seen really or was been working again, I'm thinking very about my, my own experience here. We, we tried to, uh, because we've got a framework and we work with our clients and all that, but, and you need to be able to do it. When I was a, a BDR, I used to love having conversation with my AEs. So, and they would tell me about all the meetings they are going to. And you know, back then I was, I was working the French market. So, you know, I would be working with an A and he would come back and say, oh, wow, I got that meeting with BNP Paribas, I met with the CISO group and, you know, I realized that they're outsourcing everything to IBM, but so, so we wanted to go with that angle. And when we go to the meeting, we realized that actually their problem is that. And I'm like, this is called dust, man. Because that's my trigger. I'm going to go to all the people and, and can I use the word BNB? Oh, you know, you can, I mean, you can just say, well, we've been speaking with one of the big, one of the big five bank and <laughs> the conversation, we were completely wrong. We wanted to go and tell them about this and that, which is traditionally what we've been doing. But what we realized, we realized that the big part of their infrastructure was being outsourced and the real issue was the human capital around that and what's happening with people. And, and this is how we can help around that. And I know that you've not responded to my previous notes, but I just, and the number of people who are responding to, okay, now you're at my level, you're speaking to people like me, you really do it. It's, that's really what I got from my perspective as a trigger. That's always been the trigger that works the best for me is I just realized something else. I'll just realize something I have not told you. 
with someone in your industry that cannot compete with you. And this is the issue they are facing. And you may get a meeting because they want to know what's going on down there. And, you know, everybody looks a little bit at their competitor and they may say, well, I may meet with Oli to understand what they are doing because we're thinking about how thing. So you may not get the meeting for the right reason, but there is a sort of follower, like ship. <laughs> what are these guys doing? You know, can we spend 40 minutes to discuss about how, and, and how you solve that problem? Because if you can solve the problem for those guys and you're having a meeting with them to solve their problem, maybe you can solve mine as well. So you, it's always been a good trigger for me to all the BDRs, DR that listening to us, to really create a relationship with DAs and not just get feedback on the meeting you set for them, but all the war stories and use those war stories. People like to be told a story, I believe. I want to ask you something. So I've heard this spoken about quite a lot, similar to what you're saying, yeah. but not, not about what the account executive or, or your colleagues have been able to find out with the prospect. It's what you've been able to find out yourself speaking to other people in that account. So say, say I want to call you, right? What happens? What would you say if I'm, if I find out a couple of things from your SDR team, just picking something up and I notice there's A, B and C going on, whatever it might be. And then I, I email you and I call you up. I go through my kids with you and I say, look, just want to let you know about one, two, and three things that, that your team have been expressing. And obviously it's not really bad. Like they, they think you're terrible and the company sucks. It's nothing like that. It's just stuff to improve upon, which you would care about. Do you, do you, take, do you take that? Because I've heard this spoken about quite a lot. I think it's yes. very difficult to do it in the right way. You don't really want to be digging up dirt and, and be seen to sort of try and find it's, a headline because that's not it. But I think it can be useful. I take a meeting every day with someone who just, even if it's dirty, I, I would rather know. I mean, I wake up every day to build a better company. So, and, and as the company is growing, trust me, keeping your, your eyes on the detail is difficult, you know, and, and we are trying to, to do it, but you, you kind of building a plane or making a plane better while you are in the air. So sometimes you've got issues and you've got to deal with it. And also we're managing people. So that for me is a, is a great trigger. We tried it for ourselves So I don't know if it's just me because we tried it for ourselves and one of the things that we would do is to put an inquiry through a company we want to get in touch with. And we basically don't get followed up for three days. Yeah. And then we would send an email to getting sales and say, look, I send inquiries to the other, to your three competitors. And here is the response time from the other. You clearly have an issue here. People won't buy your stuff. People hated it, right? We had some very bad feedback. I had some CEO emailing me and stuff like that. And. I find it bizarre because I believe that self-awareness is number one quality of leadership. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get praises all the time, right? I would actually respond better to you if you point out issues in the business versus you tell me, oh, you, what you build is fantastic. Because I think you are helping me if you are helping me to improve, or if you are trying to go to a subject matter, to a subject that improve, help me to improve versus, you know, brown nosing or, you know, yeah. I don't need to be told that, you know, it's just like, you always look fantastic from the outside. You know, when you are inside, you know, what's going on, you know, what you are working on and it never stops. So I think for me only that technique would work really well, but I've seen some people not feeling as good about it because you kind of expose something that is not working and a defense mechanism comes in and yeah. I've had, um, if people send us a bad email. We, we retaliate with our own email, not retaliate as such, like it's a, 
know, we're angry or anything, but we try and say, look, like there's a better way we can help you with this and that and so on. Yeah. Same thing. And you would have thought in a sense, trying to help you sell better. Like, yeah. What's not to like there. But I think it's like you said, there's a bit of pride that comes up and it's, hold on, don't point the finger at me. And I get that quite a bit in our emails too. Sometimes the, the ones that I receive, it's, they're trying to do FOMO. They're trying to say, marketing teams like you haven't thought about this thing yet. And it's almost like we've missed out. We're stupid. One way to upset me is to make me feel stupid. So, so that one never works. But, but if it's like you're showing me something new that not everyone knows, and it's not just me that's missing out, it's different. That, it's such a subtle difference. But yeah, I've tried that whole, um, and I have actually done the one that you said too, where, where you go through their inquiry system. Yeah. Never hear back. And then you say, look, like that's broken. What's going on? Yeah. And it's, it's strange how that doesn't work. Let that up, but it's absolutely mad that you go to sales leaders or marketing leaders just saying to you, well, leave me alone. It's not your business. Or, you know, we don't, we would never work with a company like you. So, well, if I was in their shoes, I would say at least, okay, well, okay, good. Thank you. Well done. Because I didn't see that. I didn't put an inquiry myself and you got me there. I'm feeling a little bit ashamed. You know, I would, I would, you know, you feel a little bit of shame that you, they actually, you get someone smarter that done something and just realize something is not working. At least give them the time to explain what they could do. Because even if you don't want to buy their stuff, you could get some best practices and it could help you to steer the ship. And, but self-awareness and accountability is, they are two of the value that we, we have to define what, what, what a good person is at operatics and the people that we develop. Some people don't have it. Some people don't like to have it. And, you know, you catch them on the bad day. They've got some bigger issue. They think it's not a big issue. But put yourself in the shoes of the prospect, right? If I put an inquiry to Vanilla Surf and all your competitors, I can tell you something. The person that responds to me the first, and maybe it's because I work in the industry and I like that, but the one that responds to me the first and give me the best experience in the sales process are likely to get my, my dollars, right? They're like, they are likely to get my purchase order. So. I don't know. I think everybody is different, but with your technique, and by the way, if you know anything about the operatics, don't mention that on the podcast now, but as we done, just give me all the things that I need to know and get fixed. <laughs> but if you go through our inquiry system, I can promise you I'll be reaching out and we'll book that demo. I'll be on you within a minute. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should try that on each other, you know, like every month and we keep, we keep, we keep touch just to make sure that our guys are still on it. Now, but yeah. a different name, so we don't know. Absolutely. You know, c coming back to, we, we discussed earlier on about the subject line. I just want to come back to that very briefly. I mean, I, I think there is a lot of bad quality here. Again, someone sending you an email for the first time, FW two points and, you know, like they're forwarding you something, which that's very much starting the relationship on the bad. <laughs> you basically start engaging with me by lying to me or trying to manipulate me. I don't like it. So, so there is lots of things like that going on or people putting something quite drastic, punchy to get you to open and then you've got nothing inside. What are your advice in creating a, a, a compelling subject line? This is one where if, if I say the words about subject line word lengths, like don't have a very, very long subject line, people just say, yeah, I know that but because we all do. But my stats show that works. So it was very close between what would work best. Two words, three words, and four words. Uh, I wish that I had, could have gone into this much detail, but I, I have a strong theory that the ones that had four words, they were small words. They weren't big, long words of like 10 letters each. And the reason is, that, and we measured that by open rate and reply rate. So, yeah. so across both of those metrics, those lengths of subject lines did work better on our analysis. That's because, I believe, 
with that, let's say I've got two words in my subject line and it's your podcast, just picking something up. That's not that long. You, in your Gmail, you will definitely see at least four, five, six, seven, maybe eight words of my initial email after that, before you open it. I call it yeah. preview text. So everyone speaks about it now. It's the, it's the new thing. If I've got decent relevancy and personalization in that email, you've got like a double whammy there. You can see your podcast is the subject line. You can tell what it's about, but it's not really detailed that you don't need to open it. And you've got a bit more of the like preview into what's going to happen. So then you will probably open it. So that's good. But like I was saying about the, the webinar that we did a while ago. So I had the two experts email me. Their subject line's pretty long. So I thought, hold on a second. Everyone talks about how you've got to have a short subject line, how it's got to be very crisp, two, three, four words. But theirs was six and seven. Right. What they were doing and, and why it worked for me, and it was very personalized to me. So again, this doesn't really work on just to put 2,000 people in a cadence and let it go. They were doing stuff like, one of them said the River Medway, which is literally, I can see it out my window right there. It's the, it's the Medway River in my town. And guarantee you, I've never had an email about that ever before. A little bit of novelty. And, and he had a couple of other words on the end of the subject line. But with that one, it did stand out for obvious reasons. It's clearly only me is going is to get that one. So that one was one. The other one, so Sam uses her own little, little mantra, show me, you know me. So th in that one, she picks out three things. And the, I quite like this one, but it, it can go wrong if you get random things. So yep. for example, she's picking out things that are totally unrelated to each other about me. So it could be, she has a mutual connection with me. So she might name them. And then it might be a recent event, which I did. So, so we did a, a virtual conference and it was called GiverCon. So it's the person that we both know, and then comma, then GiverCon, comma, and then something else that she's also found. It could be, uh, sometimes people do their own company name. Sometimes it's like a LinkedIn post or well, whatever it is. But do you then put a lie to explain that? That said, look, I want you to grab your attention. So, you know. And now you're already here is what I want to drop. So, because I guess you've got to explain when you do those things. So how do, how do you go about the first paragraph then? Or, or do you just do that? And then you go straight into your, 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 your very prop in the, in the body. In their emails, that was what their first bit was. So their first yeah. sentence or so that was, yeah. So the, the river Medway one, um, he, he'd used some context about saying years ago, the river Medway was the only way that the, that any town would get money, it would be the center of commerce and trade and all that sort of stuff. Now that technology is involved and he segued into how things work nowadays. So he, he had quite a cool segue there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool because it's not too cheesy. Like, and you, you probably look at it and it's like, oh, oh, you've made a default too. You probably went on Google map, did something, went on Wikipedia, put some stuff together. You really want to talk to me. You made a real conscious effort to speak to me. This is not automated by your robot. So yeah. Okay. But the cool thing about that. So I asked him and he told me, and now I thought about it. I thought, damn, that, that's just so easy. How did he find out that without spending all day? It's actually really easy. He went on my LinkedIn profile and he saw yeah. the town. It tells you where everyone's living. So if, if for some people it might say New York, okay, a bit more difficult. You can't say the Brooklyn bridge and they don't live anywhere near it. But if, if someone lives in suburbia, like I do, I've got Maidstone in Ken in England, then great. Just put Maidstone into Google. You yeah. will find the River Medway. You will find what's here. You'll find Maidstone United Football Club. You'll find the, the library, whatever. He just did that. It took him 20 seconds. He went on my LinkedIn profile like he should with anyone. 
saw that and he saw my job title too, which is something else that he used. So it's, you know, once you built the muscle memory, once you've done it a few times, once you've done your reps, you can get really quick with that stuff. So, so all that is great, but our conversation is very much about people doing the job properly, right? It's, it's about using the, to, the tool properly. You can give me an ax and I can do some very stupid stuff with that. Or I can actually use it properly and cut woods and cut a lot of woods and be very, you know, basically a lumber. Like, I don't know about the technology, but there you go. I'm trying with the ax. But what do you think is happening in the market? Because what, what, what do you think is so many spam? I mean, I still receive a lot every day of people just literally sending me an email. Oh, you've not sent, I wanted to bump that up. You've, you're not responding to my previous one. You must be busy. No, you just, your email is just crap. You, I'm not interested. I will never be interested. You don't not even have the right guy in 50% of the case or 60% of the case. And I don't know what you want. Most of them actually don't respond because I'm like, I don't have any idea. What would be the agenda of that meeting? You want a meeting with me, you want the most precious thing that I've got, which is time, because I'm never going to get it back. And you're not telling me why? That's bloody selfish. But so that, that's probably stuff. So what do you think is happening with technology? And, and what do you think is happening in the market of emailing? There's a bit of a problem, which is really difficult to solve because it, you never know. There's no tangible sign apart from just the the obvious things like it looks like we're getting better reply rates. It looks like we're getting better email rates. All those things, book them on meetings. It's really the messaging. So, and it's amplified when you get volume. So if I, if I send 10 emails a day and I get no replies, you know, okay, bad day. If I send a thousand, I get no replies. It feels like, oh my God, that's terrible. But really it's the same thing. So it, it just feels worse with all of the, the speed and technology. I think it's messaging is the huge thing now. So. Your, your email where they're saying whatever they want to say, and there's no real agenda and all that stuff. And then they follow up and they do the, like, what are your thoughts? Email, all of that stuff. They go through 10, 20 touches. They call you, they LinkedIn, you, you don't engage or, or maybe you tell them no, we're not interested. After all of that, what's happened is they've done that to hundreds of people and the same things happened. Maybe a couple have been. What they didn't do or what they've maybe not done well enough is the first thing that I did in my job. The first thing that our reps now do in their job, spend like a week, two weeks. I mean, the whole week, don't do anything else. Sit on calls like this and speak to customers and people are like them. That's it. That's literally it. So when I joined this company, I had three pages of notes of content ideas and things I wanted to do based on my assumptions. And I knew the company very well. Uh, I'd seen it for years and I know the space. When I did those phone calls for about two weeks, I promise I got rid of every single bit of the whole notepad. It was all wrong. None of it actually landed with any of the customers. I was really embarrassed. I was asking them, so like, do any of these make any sense to you? Like, would, would that be interesting at all? And they're all just saying, no, like you're close, but it's not like that. And what I, what I then got from them, it, you know, now translate into everything that we do. So I was that far off and that's how much I actually knew about the company going into yeah. it. Never mind, that's quite rare. Most of the time, if I was to jump to another company now, I probably wouldn't know as much about them as I would have known this company coming in here. Yeah, a massive disadvantage. And that, that really translates into the messaging. So to email you right now, if I don't know our stuff inside and out, and I've heard it from 50 companies like you, just like you, just for the reasoning for me to email you being okay, I got no chance. I'm really guessing. It's hard enough as it is when you know what you're talking about and you know exactly what person like you, the recipient of my email, is going through. Never mind if you're not absolutely sure. 
hardest thing is though, it's very difficult to know when you have that because I would never email you thinking I've got it wrong. That's yeah. stupid. So no one does that, but it is very difficult to get well, that right. But you know, what, actually, I think there is, a, there is a lot of people I don't care about being wrong and they just think, you know what? I've done a thousand email yesterday. I didn't get any response. Let's do 10,000 tomorrow and see if I get something. Oh, I need 10,000. I got one response. I need to do 10,000 every day. I mean, that's stupid, but I think there is a ton of people thinking that way. You know, it's a number game or the more, the, the bigger the mail list, the more, the more response we'll get. I mean, yeah. And the more you're going to damage your brand because you obviously won't be pertinent. You mentioned something very interesting. You kind of come back to, to one of the, the things that I was describing as my own experience, which is really around the way you will know how to be pertinent with people is by speaking to people in their shoes and understand what their issues are. Okay. And I think now, and again, that's probably for all the PDIs that are listening to us and people sending email in general, I mean, your company must have or should have or will have conversational intelligence where you can actually listen to calls. You can listen to things. You can find those nuggets. You should have a setup where the AEs are asking questions about, look, what are your challenges? What, should, what keeps you awake at night? When you get out of work and you drive back, you know, what are you thinking? What's in your mind? What is it that you want to solve? Okay. Go and pick up those nuggets and get it from the RC's mouth and use them again. I think this is, this is brilliant because I don't think it's complicated. I think he's doing the, the important versus the urgent. I think he's doing the smart thing versus the volume things is, is quality versus quantity. And I would rather have someone say, look, I've sent 10 emails and I got two responses. Versus then someone says I said 10,000, I've got two responses. The guy has got 10,000 and got two responses. I'd be so concerned. It clearly means that something is wrong. Data is not right. Subject line is not right. Content of the message is not right. No call to action, whatever. But probably everything is right. <laughs> everything is not right in that, in that context. If you, if you get such a, a small tolerance in terms of response. We're getting to the end of the session really, apologies, but we, we could have probably carried on for, for a long time. It felt like, you know, it was a very interactive session. So thank you so much for, for your time already today. We should probably do that again and, and just have round number two. If anyone wants to get you or to find you online uh, or to engage with Vanilla Soft, what's the best way to, to get hold of you, Ali? Everyone probably would say the same thing, but LinkedIn is, is where I spend my time. So that's the one. I'm lucky that not many people share my name, so I, I probably come up near the top or hopefully first if you put my name into into the search bar there and vanillasoft.com. Yeah, we're, we're always doing loads of webinars and content and all this kind of stuff. So uh, probably see the on my LinkedIn profile too, Freeze. I think you should try to send you an email and be relevant, pertinent to the points. <laughs> I will review it. I will send feedback, whatever it is. I try my best to, to not just sit and talk about it. I try and live and breathe it too. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Oli. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. My pleasure. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io.